You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Paige Ackerson Kiley. Paige, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Paige, we're going to talk about your your poetry today. You're going to read a little bit, but I should maybe begin with just asking, um, what are you working on, on now? And, and where are you at the moment? We're talking on the uh, in the middle of a heat wave on June 30th, 2021. Yeah, I am in my apartment in Harlem um, with all of my blinds drawn and my measly air conditioner uh, pumping and a series of fans sort of set up to, to, to get that coolness out. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty rugged out there. It feels like stepping into somebody's dirty bathwater every time I, I leave the house. So. Yeah. And what I'm working on. Um, well, I'm just sort of getting my feet under me. I, I, had, a, I had a really miserable um, year with COVID. I, I, um, I was desperately lonely, and I thought I was sort of prepared for the kind of isolation and that would, I would benefit somehow from sort of remaining in a sort of static place, but I, I absolutely did not. It was, it, was, it was really terrible. And I didn't understand until, until this year just how tied writing is, my writing is, to um, experiencing the world and particularly um, the tactile world and physical touch. I mean, even just sort of brushing up against strangers um, in the subway. I had no idea how much information that actually gave me and how that information sort of propelled my writing. So I wrote a little bit over the pandemic. I, I tried to, to write a novel. I felt, I think, that if I couldn't be with people, I could create some characters that might be interesting to think about and that that might be some sort of antidote to my, my loneliness. But reading back through through what I made there, um, it, it, it feels very plotless and, and very much like an, an exercise in, in, in sort of fellowship and company more than anything else. And prior to the pandemic, I'd been working on this series of, of kind of wry love poems where um, they, were, they were sort of in a sonnet form um, with, a, with a kind of a declarative utterance um, at the end of each. And and, and the turn was, um, you know, sort of meant to open the poem up a lot, as, as, as one would, would expect. But they were, they were kind of strange. And then the pandemic hit, and I just felt too earnest um, to write, to, to continue working on those. Like, my, my efforts on those felt very uh, earnest. And, yeah. So now I'm, I'm working on a, a longer series of prose poems about uh, the American automobile, and, and it's, um, it's sort of a series of erotics um, that have to do with driving and have to do with um, manufacturing and, and, um, and sort of the, the idea of, 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 of losing the ability to drive um, as, we, as we make our way towards self-driving cars and, and what that means for the way we move through time and space and, and what that means to the body and, and that kind of thing. So that's what I'm working on right now. Well, that's so interesting, and and um, I'm looking forward to hearing you read. I, I also think it's it's uh, it's interesting that you note how 
how difficult the pandemic was creatively. You know, I, I talked to a lot of artists and writers about it, and there's, you know, so many people have different experiences. Some do feel like there's this, there's this, you know, all, all this time to work, but others, um, not at all. And uh, and it's quite the opposite. And, and and it also seems, you know, as as a writer, that there's this like romantic idea of just you need to be alone somewhere, isolated. But you know, as you're saying, that's that's kind of not really the stuff of life, right? That's not, that's not your muse. That's not your inspiration. It's to be, it's to be out in the, in the world, literally kind of rubbing shoulders with people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm sort of pathologically private about my, my writing enterprises while I'm in like a generative space. I don't, I don't really share them with, with writer friends until I, until I feel I've, until I feel like they have have some scaffolding and structure, so so that I'm already involved in that kind of um, you know that kind of solitary pursuit that you know, and also I'm I'm a writer, I'm a, I'm an artist, I'm also I don't know, I guess somewhat of a exhibitionist. So not to be able to express that part of myself right. over the course of the of the year was was really hard. I, I had no idea about the the how how delicate that tension was between sort of the internal and the external for me in terms of productivity but you know i i also think too because i was alone um and i didn't have to escape anything the only thing i had to escape was myself and like going deeper into the self was just not something that 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 sounded pleasurable to me in ways that, that I think it does when I'm, when I'm busy and I'm out there in the world and I'm sort of exhausted and bored with conversation and that kind of thing. So. Right. And, and so what are you reading today? You're going to read to us um, a few times. What's the first piece you're reading to us? Sure. I think I'll, I think I'll start. Um, I'm going to read from, from dolefully the uh, rampart stands, which is, um, my most recent collection uh, came out in 2019 with Penguin, and I think I'll start um, with um, the first the first poem in the in the book, which is called "Inventory of Ramparts," and it's um, it's a lineated poem. I think the other two poems I'll read will probably be prose poems. So it's called okay. "Inventory of Ramparts." The pier shed its long splinters into the lake. A dinghy rubbed the side of the dock, but the dock was still. Some kids ditched a canoe in the reeds. The boy's voice was a reed. They pulled it up the embankment by a rope, where no one could see it from water or shore. His voice covered everything. This isn't an opportunity to talk about the body, how many dogs you get to have over the course of a life. I'd reckon six, if you take good care of them. I'm going back in time to hold the boy's head underwater, just to give him a little scare. The canoe had vanished when they returned, and his voice became a basket pushed down a river, nothing specific. In any way, this isn't an occasion to talk about the body. I'm busy going. I need to go back through those boggy years to kiss all of the dogs hard on the mouth. Thank you. Uh, that seems, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to, to read that now because that's where in such a, you know, as you're talking about like kind of automobiles and 
and kind of, uh, I don't know, erotic pleasures in this post-pandemic world that seems like a, a whole different world from what you've just read. <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. um, yeah. You know, that, that, that poem was so, it's, it's such like beautiful imagery in it, but also feels, uh, I mean, nostalgic in a way that, that um, is very different than, than perhaps what we talk about now in, in, in post-pandemic or pandemic, wherever we are, right? And as, right. As, you're, as you're into new work with what you were mentioning at the beginning, that seems like, um, like another world, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think, that, um, I think that the new poems have a little bit more, um, mm, they're a little, well, they're, they're maybe a little less sort of dark and shadowy because um, I just, I mean, I think my hunger to be out in the light is, is pretty strong right now. And, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the speaker in, in all of my poems, but you know, they, they come, they come through my body. Right. So they're, right. they're, you know, that I, I try to will them and, and, and they can't help, but they can't help but be responding to what the rest of me is responding to. So, so yeah, I think I think these poems are definitely in in this book are definitely more interior, and they were, you know, they were they were pre-pandemic poems. I mean, the oldest poems in this book probably were written around 2012. So. And and of course, this is a very recent book, just a few years ago. Are are mm-hmm. you still um, reading from it? Is there a do 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 kind of like pandemic or Zoom book tours now? Is that part of? Um, your practice or, or, or no? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I did not, I did not really do much. Um, the book came out in 2019. I did not do very much in terms of, of touring or reading a few sort of here and there. Um, I'm a super reluctant performer of my work in this way. Like I, and I, and I'm also, um, I'm not really on social media and I think, um, which is which is a, a shift for me. Like I think with my first two books, I was, and I think I was like part of a maybe on people's minds more, or you know, was sorry about that. I lonesome enough. Uh, I think that I I probably wasn't a good steward of of this book in ways that I should have been, and and I do think that my my reluctance to be um, to be online and, and to, to be sort of involved with, with social media has you know has, has just meant that I'm not in the in the fray in the same way maybe um, or maybe you know or maybe it's just that that this isn't the kind of work that people are interested in having read in in, in public settings I don't know but I, I haven't done very many in fact I just I think I've probably read from this book um, maybe ten times. And you know where you so we mentioned kind of dogs and also um, when the poem you did and and, and also kind of um, you know about isolation and loneliness. Your your dog's name I just found out is is lonesome. Is that correct? That's right. <laughs> so, so, so tell me a little bit about that because that's you know I it was it was nice to hear the bark to just a moment and and and. And lonesome. It's an unusual name for a dog, and seems to tie into a number of things that you've been saying. Or, or, or am I reaching there? 
Yeah, no, I would say absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know. There's like uh there's a quarter of me that's kind of a cowboy too. And so the idea of having this like ridiculous small dog with a, with a kind of a name that you might, you might give a horse on the range was amusing to me. And also I, I think lonesome was like a name that I wanted to yell in a park. You know, I was thinking like, what, you know, what absurd name could I, what, what word, what, what thing could I conjure in a park that would be amusing to me somehow? So, um, so yeah, so I so I named my dog Lonesome. I like I like that that, that image. You're, you're you're alone <laughs> in the park. You're lost, and you or your your dog. You can't find your dog, and you you're yelling Lonesome, Lonesome, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's like it's a it's a feeling that we that 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 so many of us have, right? And and to be able to shout it, um, you know, it's something it's something that that people are like wildly private about their their loneliness it it feels um you know it feels it feels embarrassing and vulnerable to 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 tell other people that you feel lonely so it seemed to me a good exercise to be able to to announce it sort of like adjacent to the self in some sort of way yeah i like that so um let's hear your your, your reading i know two more things but what's the next thing you're reading I think that I will read, well, maybe I'll read this kind of more Western-style poem since we're talking about Lonesome. It's called, um, it's called Liberation Poem, and it's a prose poem. I was riding my horse through the desert when three young men cast their shadows of long, knotted rope from the horizon line. In all my days, I'd come to two conclusions. I should be a miller and grind the yellow stalks like stone to sand, or I should be a farmer and hum the seed up to the sky. I rode my horse through the desert, which is a way of saying there is no answer, for nothing of consequence grew, when three young men, the shadow of flagpoles mid-hoist, came near. I touched my face, and it was my face. I gripped the mane, and it was not a mane. It was canes of choya, sloughed of needle and flesh, full of oblong holes. The young men stood still the way a coyote menaces an old mare. The old mare, she neighs on and on. Fourteen hands at the withers and a dozen ancient words for grass where she is finally taken down. I touched my arm and it was an arroyo. I touched the sagebrush and it was my boot touching the chest of one young man. I touched myself in the bathroom of the Best Western, police cars blaring the parking lot to obedience. I do not remember coming outside the frying pan of asphalt, the quavering air. I closed my hand around the doorknob, pulled gently. I do not remember gently. The gum in my mouth, watermelon, grown in patches during monsoon. I do not remember anything so tender as those rotting globes swarmed by ants, leaking red, rind picked clean before harvest. I fell to my knees and no one tried to catch me. I fell to my knees and made love to what was there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Paige, yeah, that was, that, that, that's very powerful and intense and, uh, you know, it touches on a few things. You know, we've been talking, you mentioned a little bit about cowboys and your, and your dog and a horse and, and there we are in this kind of, you know, scene that sounds like Cormac McCarthy or, 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 or some Western writer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
but this is also i mean there's there's a there's a lot of subtext there there's a lot that's not said i read this as as an attack um uh, is 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 that how it's intended? As an attack, huh? Yeah, I I, I see yeah. it. That, that that yeah yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I I don't want to say something that's not in the poem, but yeah, that she was taken down from the horse. That there was some kind of attack. Um, yeah. Or, no, I think that that's. I mean, I think so. I think that the you know the the thing that like. Um, that I that I'm more aware of when I read this poem now because I never really know what the poems are 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 sort of about until much later in the process and and mostly during revision. But what I what I felt like when I was revising the poem was that um, yeah I was trying to somehow explore the ways in which one's ability to kind of make do with whatever the sort of leftover remnants were was like a kind of was was not necessarily an act of liberation, but to be able to sort of rise with that was was liberating to the to the self, right? To be able to to continue to to continue on, to continue to make do, to um, you know, in the face of whatever kind of attack, whatever's coming coming at you, or or saying no, or um, you know, the the, the sort of the human spirit, um, you know, is powerful right. and. And I and and I, I I believe that's true. And um, yeah, so this this poem was maybe trying to think about that a little bit, and we're talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you for that. And let's hear one more um, before we go. What is the next poem you're reading? I'm going to read a poem. It's a little bit longer. It's also a prose poem. Um, and it's called Laconia. Laconia, New Hampshire is sort of where I came of age and, um, it's a weird place. And I've tried for a long time to, to write about it. Um, and all my writing ends up sounding kind of like New England Gothic, um, when I talk about it, Mm -hmm. but you know that it's, it's hard to sort of encapsulate the place where you, where you learned how to love and you learned what loved you and you learned what hated you and, um, and you moved on from all of that. So this is called Laconia. I know what you're thinking right now. It's true she took the first job after high school. What can you do? Sometimes they come from a black scribble, words like couch, too many long nipple towns rushing the driveway. I know what it looks like to you. This is her peak the bonfire by the lake. It's fall. Everyone wears the same navy blue hoodie. I want to go on, but what's the point? She arrived with a man slightly older. They screeched into the pull-off, dust like a smoke machine heralding their duet. He heaved the cooler from the truck bed. She touched her face nervously, linked her arm through his. I watched them walk the narrow path to the pit. Occasionally, this time of night, you hear loons calling across the water. The sound is foggy, sad, the way it fades toward the end, like a dinghy sighing before it turns to face a storm, but not quite yet. The wind picked up, and he pulled her into him, unzipped his sweatshirt, and wrapped it around her, too. There was nothing we could do. Sometimes they come from thirst, the way lips meet and separate. A last sip of flat soda shook onto the asphalt, bottle turned in for a nickel, then crushed. You don't need me to tell you what happens next. 
25 of them drinking and layering on twigs and brush. The night had become black, like the space where a tooth used to be, like the absence of tools, chiseling the hard ground with your bare hands, or maybe just kicking out a hole. You know what I mean. It's hard to think about a life before. He had an idea. Sometimes they come from a need to keep warm or watch in the face of a problem. Sometimes the problem is fixed, the way your organs stay inside your body even when you've lost everything else. It seemed like the fire had always been roaring. He grabbed a beer from the cooler. It felt like a flagpole in his hand, like it had rained and it was March. When was the last time he shimmied to the top of anything? He couldn't remember, so chucked the can hole into the blaze. You know the rest. Tell me what you heard. Did you hear the explosion? It started as a hiss, then burst with such force. Sometimes they come from anger, sometimes ignorance. The end result is the same. The can unfurled under the pressure, the sharp blade of it into her eye. Blood from her socket petaled her cheek. We could feel her breathing, beating, see her red eye, black hair plastered to her neck, and the pike dive face first to the ground. The loon suddenly screaming, where did you go? Tell me where I am. The loon screaming and screaming, trying to locate a familiar, trying so goddamn hard to know something about love and a place before you go extinct. Thank you. Sure. Um, very powerful poem, very intense and strong and... Um, yeah, and, and and full of and full of imagery. I mean, that's that's a that's an attack of a different kind. Felt, but also felt very kind of uh, yeah, very violent, very um, very very upsetting. Yeah, to me that that that, that you know that kind of anger, that kind of result. Um, how does it feel to me that to me that now? I mean, we're, we're yeah, again we're in a different context. Does, it, does the poem feel different to you now than when you wrote it? Hmm. I suppose a little bit. I mean, I think um, I I think that um, I think sort of the 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 sort of end lines about wanting to, to sort of like understand a place and, and understand how to love um, as sort of the most um, important, important acts um, of, of a life. Um, they feel a little more poignant to me maybe right now than, than when I wrote it. Um, I'm not sure I was, I think I was really, I was really focused on some of the, the sort of more muscular imagery during the composition phase. Um, but but now the 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 lesson of it feels a little different to me. Um, you know what the what the poem taught me by ending in that way feels feels like I don't know, just more prescient, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I I feel like I should ask one more thing about the poems that you said you were reading, but but haven't read from these these poems about automobiles and, and erotica and and what it'll mean when there's self-driving automobiles and um you know that that's such a that's such an interesting area how how technology in the future that that you know we're all rushing towards can impact 
you know, our lives on, on, on such an intimate level, you know, I mean, the, the car, right? The, the, uh, yeah, and, and, sure. And, and, and what that, what that means there. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of fascinating. Have you ever worked that way before in talking about like the technology that's that's changing our lives or could upset our lives or change how things are working? No, I haven't. Um it hasn't been a big um area of exploration for me, but I I feel personally offended by self-driving cars in in maybe an outsized way. I mean, for me driving is is one of the the great sensual pleasures of of the 21st century. I I mean I drive a standard. I love it. I love driving in weather. I love technical drives. Um, and the thought of of sort of being relegated to 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 sort of this passive position inside of um, inside of a vehicle, which is which is in this country a symbol of great power. Um, it feels it feels really demoralizing. And, and I think that there are a lot of ways that our bodies are being taken out of, out of the picture. Um, you know, I, you know, it from, from, from self-driving cars to, to sort of zoom meetings and, and, and more sort of online meetings to pornography. I mean, I, there, there are many, many ways I feel like that, that, um, that I feel sort of the, the disappearance of my own body, maybe, um, in in right. in ways that that, and I also just don't know what you do when you're not driving the car. I mean, you're looking out the window. I guess are you shopping online? I mean, it all feels very nefarious to me. Um, yeah. What is freeing up all this extra time really going to do for us? Am I going to be writing poems as a car drives me down the road? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I think I think this like this pretend kind of efficiency. Um, oh, this will make us more efficient. This will give us more free time. Well, I don't know. I don't trust myself to fill those hours super wisely. And I mean, maybe maybe other people will. But yeah, there's a lot yeah. of strange questions there. And you know, what you just said reminded me of an essay I read about um, about self-driving cars and self-driving taxis, and and it's. It's kind of thesis was saying, you know, at some point, um, a self-driving taxi is going to deliver somebody dead, right? That that at some point, somewhere along the line, someone's going to die in a taxi, and the taxi will know, and and they'll drop them off at their destination, and you know, and it was it was it was, you know, not so different from the tone that that you're talking about and, and kind of exploring with kind of like so so what would that mean? Where's that going? And, and will this happen? Yeah, this will happen. And how do we deal with it? And, and, and the kind of gap between sort of yeah. artificial intelligence and self-driving and, oh, my God, this yeah. person's dead, you know. Oh, my that's God. To, that's a yeah, crazy essay. Do you, know where, do you know where you read that? I would, lo- I would love to, to, to take a look at that. That sounds... Shivery. I'll try to find that. I, I will. I'll try to find that. Um, okay. I want to ask you one more question. What are you uh, reading at the moment? Um, so I just finished uh, the Copenhagen Trilogy um, by Tove uh, Dittelsen, um a Danish poet. Uh, this was a sort of, a sort of memoir um, that's been translated from the Danish, and uh, it was just... 
astounding. I mean, it was so beautiful. It was written like, you know, she had her hand just sort of hovering over a candle flame the entire time. And it was everything. I mean, it was sort of astute and psychological. It was also funny in a sort of gallows way. Um, just a really, really beautiful book about, you know, the, the seriousness with which one must take themselves in order to, to make art. And, and just, it was just really fantastic. So I just finished that. Um, and right now, uh, I'm reading um, Diane Seuss's latest collection of poems called Frank Sonnets. It's a, a sort of a memoir in sonnets, and I've been really, been really loving that. A lot going on there. Well, that sounds good. Paige, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate your time and your writing. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.